All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, it is Thursday, which means here I am, Pastor Doug Minton, helping you to dig deeper into the Psalms, and we are finishing out Book 2 of the Psalms this week by looking at Psalms 70, 71, and 72. And these are really not all that familiar to us. We've got a little bit from Psalm 72, especially as that is a Psalm of Solomon, but the one that we have the most connection with is Psalm 70, which brings out portions of the Matins and Vesper services. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Those are some of the opening lines for those services. All come from Psalm 70, verse 1. But 71 and 72 have some things for us to look at as well. So we need to take our time with those. But let's get right into it. Psalm 70. To the choir master of David for the memorial offering. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame who say, Aha! Aha! May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord. Do not delay. Great words from David, which are needed today. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. We want God to speed up the process. We dislike when his timing is a lot further along and a lot slower than ours. But there's nothing we can do about that other than pray this prayer. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. This brings up the ideas of many times in David's life that this could be written. And seeing that it's written for the memorial offering, it's probably while he is king and not while Saul is looking after him, but could be Absalom, could be late in life as Adonijah is just waiting for him to die and taking things into his own hands. But he's at a point at that time where He's not altogether there physically, much less, I think, mentally. So we're going to stick with this being a psalm in the time of Absalom. And this can come out to be very clear in verse 3. You know, Let them turn back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. It's like, aha, I've done this and you can't stop me. And that's basically what Absalom did in stealing the hearts of the Israelites away from David so that he could set up his own throne. What he did when he came into Jerusalem, sending David packing and taking up with his concubines on top of the roof. Many things could be there. Verse 4, we see in response of prayer 1, and I believe response of prayer 2 as well, in the Lutheran service book, some great prayer times for special prayer services, or I use it for Sunday school opening 
to teach the kids about the liturgy and being involved in the service. But then we have verse 5. Verse 5 really puts this in perspective. But I am poor and needy. David didn't have quite the fame as Solomon for his riches, but David was still one of the most powerful kings. But the thing is, it all came at the end of his sword. So there were a lot of people who were after him. And it was not just the people who came out strictly against him, but also had a lot of people around in the countries that he had conquered that did not like him. He's poor and needy spiritually. It's not that he doesn't have faith, but his faith maybe wavers a little bit as he is worried about his life, worried about God finally delivering him to fulfill all of the things that God had promised to him. And does that happen? Well, of course it happens, because God keeps all of his promises. But it is the time where David needs to understand that he is poor and needy. And the biggest thing he needs is the rich grace and glory of the son who would sit on his throne forever. And that's what David is asking, that God hasten and not delay. All right, we're going to move into Psalm 71. Now, 71 and 72 are longer psalms, and 71 does not have a superscription to it. So, where this falls, it could be anywhere. It could be anybody with this psalm, but the words are great. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have learned, leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O oh God, be not far from me. O oh my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O Lord, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? 
You who have made me see my many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will praise, sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. So far, Psalm 71. Many things in here that are, again, repeated from other psalms, like verses 1 through 3 are a repetition of Psalm 31, verses 1 through 3. Again, the idea of taking refuge in the Lord and those who take refuge in him never being put to shame because God is a rock of refuge. He is our rock and our fortress for those who believe in him. He is the one who saves us, who rescues us from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. And spiritually speaking, that is Satan and that is what exactly the psalmist here is desiring to be away from because he sees all the things being brought up against him all of the prompting of the devil in his neighbors who seek to do him harm and he wants none of that he seeks nothing but good for them so why should they be so adamantly against him it's only from the promptings of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. That is where we get all of the sources of evil against us and against anyone. Whether it's from us being against someone or someone being against us, it is still the same thing. And we seek justice from it, not uh, condemnation necessarily unless they refuse to repent but definitely the need for forgiveness and for the guilt to be taken on and acknowledged and owned by those who are guilty of it when we move into verse 9 we have the great understanding that God has been with him from his youth and even from before his birth in verse 6. But he prays for God to not abandon him in old age, not to let old age and infirmity and failing strength to be a reason for God to leave him and forsake him. And that is the great comfort that we have from our Lord is that there is nothing in us that makes us worthy of his love and care and mercy. All of it is done despite of us and our failings and of our infirmities and our weakness. So when we see it in our own lives, I really dislike the Footprints poem, but it's got a good point to it, that it is God who holds us up in the times where it seems to be our darkest, the times where we seem to be the weakest. As Paul would say to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, as he tries to get to pray away his thorn in the flesh, Jesus says, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power shows itself completely 
when you are weak and you let me be your strength. And that's exactly what the psalmist has done and will continue to do while he still has breath. And that's exactly what he says in verses 17 and 18. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Skipping to verse 20. You have made me see many troubles and calamities. Will revive me again. Although there are plenty of struggles and dark moments and failings that he has had, God has still been there through all of them. God has still been faithful to his promise. And so we ask God to continue that faithfulness into old age and gray hairs so that he can proclaim God's glory to another generation. Which again points us back to Psalm 22 and the end of it. Proclaiming his glory and his righteousness to a people yet unborn. And so he ends. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. So exactly what he wanted to happen has happened. God has answered his prayers even in the way he wanted. That his enemies have been put to shame and have been disappointed in their desires to get rid of him and to destroy him. But there is still more for him to do. There is still more for the psalmist and more for God. Because God is still going to keep up with his promises, still going to keep holding us together. And the psalmist says he will keep proclaiming the righteousness of God while he has breath. And now we have a psalm of praise given to us from Solomon. And, of course, the question here is, is it of Solomon that he wrote it, or is it for Solomon? Because the Hebrew there in the superscription can go either way. The wonderful thing with the prepositions in Greek and Hebrew is that they have different meanings depending on the context. And some people go with the for Solomon because there is a lot of talk of how Solomon is praised in 1 Kings, especially 10, but into 11 as we see what the abundance has done to him. But here we have Psalm 72 being describing Solomon, really. So I would say this is for Solomon, not of Solomon. But that's just me. All right, Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. 
May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Zeba bear gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be an abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. So far, Psalm 72. And again, there is a lot of the descriptions of Solomon in 1 Kings 10, especially in these verses. You know, may you judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. That's exactly what he prays for when God asks him, what should I give you in 1 Kings 3? He wants wisdom to be able to properly judge the people. He defends the cause of the poor, gives deliverance to the children of the needy. Also again, in 1 Kings 3, you have the case of the two prostitutes who one rolled over on her child, smothering him, and then replaced the two children, swapped the two children with her neighbor who shared the house with her. And Solomon comes out and says, okay, take the living child, divide it in half with the sword, give one, give part to each. Isn't that wisdom that he could derive who was the true mother? Because she was the one who was willing to let the other woman have him instead of having the child cut apart. This is the great wisdom that Solomon had. And in his days, the righteous flourished for a while. Towards the end of his reign, all of his wives and concubines and their foreign gods turned his heart away from Yahweh. But there was righteousness flourishing at one point because he builds the temple and peace abounded because there was no war frankly because he was married into the royal family of all of his neighbors and so then we have just many things going on that happen may he have dominion from sea to sea from the river which would be the nile river to the ends of the earth may desert tribes bow down before him May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. This all happens. This is exactly what is unfolded in 1 Kings 10 as all of the great glorious bounty and wealth that Solomon has from his reign. All coming from Sheba and Seba and Tarshish and all over the place. Many kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. This gets a picture of it in Solomon as many countries, because of his marriage alliances, paid him tribute. But also we have the inkling of the true son of David, the true royal son, that all nations will serve him. Because then we have 
the rest of it. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Yes, this might be somewhat applicable to Solomon, but truly this section is all about Jesus. Jesus is the one who fulfills this. He is the one of David's sons who is able to do that. So long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him, which the queen of Sheba does in 1 Kings 10. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day because God wants the rulers of the people, those who have the charge of governing the people to be prayed for by the people which is why he still tells us to pray for our leaders. And then we have the blessings of everything that is given to us and that everything be in abundance, so much so that 1 Kings 10 tells us that silver was so common that it was counted like stones. It had no value. It was so common and everybody had it. Why? Verses 18 and 19. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. And that's exactly what God did in Solomon's reign. Gave everybody an understanding of what his glory could be in a physical sense. But again, it all pales in the glory that is revealed to us spiritually and that will be revealed to us physically on the last day when Jesus comes to bring us to be in his kingdom forever and ever. So Psalm 72 ends with the prayers of David are ended. And yes, there will still be some Psalms of David in the last 78 Psalms, but they're all scattered throughout the rest. They're not collected like they were in the first two books. So we have this mention of the focus because then we get into Psalm 73 and you get the sons of Asaph again. So they take on for a little while as well as others who do write Psalms in the spirit of David and are kept in the scripture thanks to the Holy Spirit. All right, that's a little digging deeper into Psalms 70, 71, and 72 this week. The next few weeks, we will be basically running one psalm at a time, as Book 3 has a lot of the longer psalms that we'll have to take care of individually because of their length. So I encourage you to come back next week as we start off with Psalm 73. But until then, this is Pastor Dugman thanking you for being here today. Come back on Mondays for the Confessional Corner, the Moments of Meditation during the week, and also for those of you who want to have a little fun with Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling America on Wednesdays as well. But until then, this is Pastor Doug Minton, thanking you for digging deeper so that you may be well equipped to wrestle with theology this week. Amen. <laughs>